Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to do some parkour and count down the worst kinds of facial hair. It's just when you take it up there, there's that element of danger, there's that element of risk. You have one shot because if anything does go wrong, then you're in danger. You want to you want to have that inner confidence. You want to have that kind of self-spoken truth where you know 100% in your mind that you're going to make it across the gap. You're going to make it to that wall. You're not going to slip. You're not going to fall. I did a front flip down 25 stairs, probably one of my most well-known internet clips. Um, and at the bottom of that, my shoe was loose and I landed like half on my shoe, half on the floor because I didn't tie my shoelaces up because I have no idea why not. <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I have always been fascinated by parkour and free running. I remember seeing some early videos and just thought it was so cool. And it's been really interesting to watch how it's progressed from what looked to me like some simple stuff that I couldn't do to this just stuff that blows my mind. Our first guest, is one of the most well-known parkour free-running athletes in the world. This is Dominic Di Tommaso. I I shouldn't ask you this question right off the bat, but <laughs> I, it's all I was watching some of your videos, and it's all I can think of. Like, how are you still walking around? I mean, how does your body hold up from all this? I mean, one leg at a time is probably the <laughs> most accurate way to answer that. It's uh, it's one of those things where it seems really abnormal. Because you're seeing, you know, the final product of 10 to 12 years of training. You're seeing all the falls from all of that time of training. You're not seeing the weeks of recovery. You're not seeing all of the stretching and rehabilitation that goes in behind that. So as much as it's kind of freaky, I guess it's just years and years of compounding and understanding how to fall and how to catch my weight and how to take this impact properly without damaging my body kind of ramping that up and turning the volume up very very slowly uh every year when you go up to do like a, a big trick so to speak do you mm -hmm. have to really talk yourself into it or do you have to talk yourself uh, out of maybe doing something that you shouldn't do there's a lot of challenges that are just at height but very simple for the body so it's just like a run and a jump or a run and a front flip something has been rehearsed thousands of times on the floor it's just when you take it up there, there's that element of danger, there's that element of risk. You have one shot because if anything does go wrong, then you're in danger. So it's really about kind of self-coaching yourself through those moments. Like I find now if I'm standing at the top of a jump, I don't need to kind of tell myself that much as, as much as I did, you know, five years ago because the practice is there. But when you're first cracking these mental hurdles, like – you want to you wanna have that inner confidence. You want to have that kind of 
kind of self-spoken truth where you know 100% in your mind that you're going to make it across the gap. You're going to make it to that wall. You're not going to slip. You're not going to fall. And so, yeah, like speaking out loud to yourself literally can be a fantastic way to conquer that. So you have, when you go to do something, like you, you're 100% sure that you can do this. Like there's no doubt in your mind. Uh, depending on depending on the challenge, I mean, if there's a, if there's an element of danger where I could get severely injured or potentially die, yes, the the knowledge of doing it to completion and with what like n- no danger element is, is certain for sure. Like you can't you can't attack anything with you know hesitation or like you know a little bit of uh, I guess trepidation towards it because it's just gonna inf- interfere with how you're jumping. Backing up a little bit, how did you get started? I mean, what kind of led you down this path? I, I, I saw parkour on YouTube and I was like, that, I want to do that. Whatever that is, that, like that, you can go outside and jump around and it has a name. Jeez, all right, cool, I'm going to go try that. And I just went out in my lunch break at school, tried it, and then just never really stopped. What about it, <laughs> though, do you think was so enticing to you? Um, I came from a lot of, uh, like, very strict sports. I did uh, figure skating when I was growing up. I was at a performing arts high school when I first discovered parkour. And all of the worlds were very cutthroat and very, like, uh, political and very driven about, you know, achieving this one higher goal. And then one thing that, like, drew me to the sport was the freedom of it. There wasn't anyone there telling you you had to do this. There wasn't anyone saying oh, you have to train at these certain hours to get good at this. You have to have these coaches. You have to know these people. You have to go to these events. Like, there was none of that. It was just go out and use your body and enjoy movement in the street, the urban environment that is already provided for. You don't have to pay a fee. You don't have to go to a gym. You can just go out and just do what you want with your friends in in the sunshine, especially somewhere like Australia. You know, we we enjoy spending our time outside. So I was just instantly drawn to the freedom and the, the kind of, the coolness vibe of it. Are you pretty athletic? Like, did you have a background in a lot of sports before you got into it? Personally, yes. I, I grew up doing a whole wide variety of sports, basically, since I could walk, um, which gave me quite a nice edge coming into parkour because I had previous conditioning on the body. I had knowledge of how the, the recovery process works for injury and that sort of thing. But most free runners that we see today uh, especially now in this new generation that's come through, have purely started with just free running. They were younger, they went to the gym, did some acrobatics, free running kind of took off around that, that time and they've kind of jumped on the bandwagon and uh, they're kind of what I would call pure breeds of free running. And that that is, is cool to see because there's a whole new skill level that's being developed and a whole new style from that. Kind of a technical question, is parkour and free running the same thing or is that different? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a loaded question depending on uh, uh, Tracer, which is someone who practices parkour and free running, asks. Uh, so if you ask some Tracers, they're going to tell you parkour and free running is completely different. And if you ask some Tracers, they're going to tell you that parkour and free running are very similar or one thing under the same, uh, the same thing under two headings. But the difference is, and this is where a lot of people will have the confusion because they'll hear parkour. And then they're here free running and they're like, what are they two different sports? It's that parkour is the reach escape, uh, efficient movement side of things. So parkour itself is about getting from point A to B 
to make your body strong, to be useful in a reach or escape situation. And free running is using parkour elements with acrobatic movements. So it's a bit more of the, the freestyle on the street, essentially. You're out there, A to Z, wherever your body wants to go, uh, just having fun, being creative with movement. Um, and that culture has kind of risen just as much as parkour. But you couldn't do free running without parkour. If you did free running without parkour, it would be tricking, martial arts tricking, because the main thing that separates free running and parkour from these other sports is the obstacles that you use outside. I, I feel like I both understand them and confused, and there's no well, welcome, there, it's to, not... welcome to the wonderful community of parkour where we uh, have a, a very <laughs> strong bunch of individuals with strong opinions. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that makes you know, sense. <laughs> and, and leave it at that. I got it. That that makes sense. That, <laughs> I understand. I understand kind of where that comes from, but. Why do you think that that you're good at it? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I I would say maybe now I could I could say that I'm good at it, but it, it never was uh, that I was particularly good at it. I always had people around me who were like more genetically gifted or had been training longer and had a lot more skill, who had skills that I aspired to have. Um, for me, it was more of a school of hard knocks. So I spent the years falling over a lot and uh, trying to play keep up with those trying to training partners and, and really pushing myself to catch up. And I guess that was the the main thing that helped me progress is that I just stayed at it. I just uh, wasn't deterred by things like injury or getting bruises, scrapes, you know, ankle twisting but you know i was very fortunate that i was able to hold my body together and not suffer any injuries that have put me out for longer than a couple of months but um, it, at, at the end of the day it is persistence persistence is the only thing that's going to get you good at anything do you do kind of weightlifting training or stretching or anything like that like what kind of training do you do that isn't necessarily just free running <laughs> now it's pretty much nothing now it's uh you know, uh, wading around in the pool and then parkour and stretching. But when I was growing up, um, I used to, I did uh, six months of weight training on my legs. Um, I've never picked up like uh, weights for my upper body because I just have no self-discipline to kind of sit there and do reps. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, I would love to, you know, get a bit more jacks, but I just, probably would need someone there doing it all with me and be like, yeah, come on, mate, go on, go on. Whereas parkour, I can just go out and freestyle that shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but then it was also about just doing a lot of like mobility training, uh, spending a lot of time sitting in, uh, like a proper squat, which is like feet to the floor, like feet flat on the floor and then heel to butt, um, kind of all the way down slab squat as they love to call it on the internet. Um, that that really just kind of keeps the the lower posterior chain and alignment, which is like your hips, your glutes, your legs, and your knees and your ankles. All of those kind of flexible and uh, still kind of strong at the same time. I feel like I'm going to butcher you asking this question, and I'm just going <laughs> to hope I'm just going to hope that you can understand what I really mean because I'm going to phrase it horribly. But how much is it? How much of it is kind of just the commitment aspect of it, right? Because I'll be walking around outside and I'll think like, oh, I could probably jump that. But 
I wouldn't actually be able to commit to jumping it. Like, would people be surprised what they're actually capable of right off the bat? Definitely. As soon as you learn, like, the two major things in parkour are technique and mentality. So if you can learn all of the techniques, then the only thing holding you back is your mind and obviously any strength limitations that come along with that. So when you're learning the techniques, you learn through that that you need to be strong enough to to hit those techniques. But mentally... That's actually the one that people struggle with most. I'm kind of weird in my community because I'm a bit more on the side of like, yeah, I'll just, like, I don't really worry about what could happen as much and more just kind of see success. And then that's why I fall over more often as well, I guess. But, um, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 like, people, people would, be so surprised. I mean, you hear about the situations when they've got adrenaline pumping through, you know, mothers have lifted a car and, you know, they've got the, you know, people climbing up and down buildings to save babies. Like that sort of thing is, is, is naturally built into our DNA. It's wired in there to kind of overcome that mentality or that mental block when something needs to happen. And so I guess when you can train that skill so that you can kind of switch on your adrenaline system and you can calm it down so that you're you're not being overwhelmed by that um which is a huge mental game you know anyone that's gone up to the top of a roof and stood on the edge of a building knows what it's like to to be scared to kind of look over and be like daunted at least by the the whole situation um but like any skill you can train it you can train your mind to overcome these things with years and years of practice you can slowly but surely it's, it's, it's a daily process thing it's one of those things that if it you know it's like if you want to you know feel better it's not something that will happen overnight it's something that you know you, it's a day by day process do people you're with or anything like friends do they ever have to talk you out of doing stuff like hey man you know when you have that kind of i'm going to go for it mentality do they step in and never talk you out of doing things? Not so much. Parkour, as much as it's a community-based sport, is still a very personal thing. Um, we are, like, you know, when you start parkour, you're kind of assuming responsibility onto yourself as the the one that's going to make the shot calls and the one that's going to do the jumps. Like, there's been times over the years where I've seen people discourage other people from doing jumps or say, are you sure? And make sure they check with the, that person, you know? Um, but inherently parkour is uh, a personal thing. And so most of the time, if I say, for example, yeah, I'm going to do that. Most people will be like, yeah, you, and you know, maybe ask about how do you think this will go? How do you think this will go? Just, you know, uh, playing the kind of, soundboard or thought board for for the jump with you and that's why it's really really great to have training partners that you can do these challenges with because then both of you are mentally overcoming this obstacle together one of you hits it and then it feels like you can bring the team with you you know if you both know you can do it and then it's just that mental hurdle having you know the support of one person to get the first person over the line really brings the second person over the line how many injuries have you had I mean, it, it, depending on the level of injury, it's, it's uncountable, really. Um, scrapes and bruises, infinite, you know, almost a daily thing where, like, I've got a scrape on my shin, a very tiny, tiny scrape on my shin from yesterday and, like, a bump on my hand somewhere. But, but you know, major, major injuries, I think I've sustained, like, four 
over a 12-year career of parkour because there's a misconception that it's very dangerous, but there's actually less going on than something like a football match or a basketball match. It's not you and another person and an object catching your eyesight so you're not looking where you're going. It's you and an inanimate object. So every cannibal measure comes down to you and every cannibal measure is usually taken before you do the jump. You know, rush doing the jump. You don't have anyone with a whistle going when you have to do the jump. You know, it's very broken down, processed, and done on on the person. You know, and it's, uh, less injuries uh, because you take that that time to do the actual jumps, and the wall's not going anywhere. You know, unless the wall suddenly decides to break, then it's a wall. It's not moving. It's not someone coming from right of field to, to tackle you. So, I've had. Uh, my shoulder, I ruptured the muscles underneath uh, in my pec and back, and that pushed up my clavicle. But that is still risen. It looks kind of funny. I have a shoulder bump, but it's not like it doesn't affect any movement or mobility. Uh, so that was fortunate. Uh, then I also fell in China, and I this is probably the worst one is I crushed and dislocated my wrist. Uh, so it like the force pushed into my hand and then forced the wrist to kind of and the, all the bones in the front of it to just crush together and, and push off. So then I had to get surgery on that, and I fractured my face on that as well. But it was such a minor fracture on the face that I was back training within a week in a cast. So it's, it's, it's weird. It's like a big major injury, but it only took me out for a week. Um, and then I did a front flip down 25 stairs, probably one of my most well-known internet clips. Um, it's a very famous skateboarding jump. And at the bottom of that, my shoe was loose and I landed like half on my shoe, half on the floor because I didn't tie my shoelaces up because I have no idea why not. <laughs> Dude, uh, how did you not tie? Like, you didn't do a check? How did you do that? Well, so I was kind of training with my shoes. Like, uh, I, I got new shoes and they're really cushiony. And I, I like having like my own ankles to do the, the work. I don't like kind of supporting them with a shoe or a high cup. Uh, shoes so these shoes are low cut and I just thought you know I'll just leave the laces like really loosely tied but then I didn't notice for the big air because the jump has such a huge amount of air if you kick your feet forwards the heels slightly remove themselves from like just you know just a centimeter but that centimeter when you hit the ground your shoes have time to move out from under your foot and because I'm coming at just you know 30 30 degree angle with my feet or maybe a 25 degree angle with my feet that just affected my uh, my foot. So I, I fractured a small bone in my foot, which put me out for like two and a half months. The times that you have been injured, have they been times where you kind of expected that it could happen or have they been like generally surprises like came out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah. The the, the big hits or like the big injuries definitely came out of nowhere. It's, it's even a case of everything was going really, really well. And I was like really like, definitely unexpected of that sort of thing happening because it was going so well up until that point. Um, two, two of my major injuries. Uh, I was in the final round of a competition with a very good shot at winning. And I feel like therefore kind of got excited and lost concentration or got a bit overzealous and uh, <laughs> fell short of the line. So we were talking earlier, one of the biggest jumps that you've done is about 30 feet. Like, how, how do you even handle that landing? You have suspension with when you hit the ground. You hit with the balls of your feet. You 
basically tense the fuck out of your ankles so that they don't heel jab the ground because all that force is going to still come down and they're going to lightly tap if you're coming straight down they're going to lightly tap as you push forward to roll over so your body weight's already in front of you your knees don't break 90 degrees because if they do you've absorbed too much and you won't go into a good roll position huh so yeah so so you're definitely like so that the roll forward is completely on purpose. It's not like, oh, I got so much momentum, I can't. You're not trying to stick the landing like a gymnast. Right? Hell no, it's all planned, man. If you want to, if you want to make sure that your body's not eating concrete and doing da- damage to your ligaments, that's where the roll is super important, super key. Um, oh. And like, it's even better to do a messy roll off to the side of your body um, than it is to not roll. Like rolling disperses the kinetic energy, disperses the impact. There was a, uh, a science show on it years and years ago um, where a couple of free runners went and did some tests and the most impact that he received throughout his entire body was actually on his shoulder and it was like the equivalent of like a high five. Really? Even from a high jump yeah. like that? He did, he did like a 12-foot front flip. Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah. yeah it's all about that like that roll that rollout. It's just such an important factor of parkour. It's one of the first things you learn when you're doing parkour is how to roll Um, because there's times where if you fall, you can set yourself up and make sure that you don't ensue taking too much damage by taking the weight off your legs and off your knees and off your ankles. Huh. I mean, I've seen it. I was like, oh, okay, he just fell over afterwards. And now that makes complete sense how your legs aren't destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I I still am kind of someone who could take quite a chunk more impact than even people within my field. That's where, where I excel. Um, but yeah, if you see a rollout, that's on purpose and it is so that long term, you're not suffering the damage. I mean, talking about competitions and stuff like this now, is this, is this your main livelihood at this point? Uh, yeah, I, I don't make my, uh, main living through competitions. I actually haven't won a Parker competition today, which brings us back to earlier where I was saying, I don't know if I'm good, just, uh, persistent, <laughs> um, uh, but the way that I make a living through parkour and free running is through video shoots, commercial work, and uh, sponsorship. So uh, I've built myself a social media following so that I can charge a fair rate for you know my services and advertising and that sort of thing. And uh, then I also have sponsorships with Red Bull and uh, a, a gym here in Australia, Apes, who have been fortunate and kind enough to kind of support me in this journey of just jumping on walls. Well, when you retire, do you, would you be making enough where you could, like, I don't have to work again, or is it not quite yet at that level? Uh, don't believe in retirement. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think uh, – this, this is another a huge thing that I'm really looking forward to just in the journey of parkour and life is that there's so many avenues in parkour. Like, what you see from me right now on the internet is one envelope being pushed excessively. It's impact and absorption – and, you know, diving front flip, being pushed to its absolute limits physically. But I don't think that's always going to be the case. I don't think when I'm 50 plus, I'm going to be able to do huge diving fronts. But that doesn't mean that I won't be able to be doing parkour. And I won't be able to be training and keeping my body in check and learning how to, you know, adapt to the the changes that my body's going through at that time. I think there's consistency in training where, you know... I, at 75, I'm going to be striding between poles, you know, even if they're ankle height. It's something where I want to be consistent enough in training 
that, 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 that's as far as movement, but as far as financial, well, um, you know, looking to make a business with the Dom Tomato brand, uh, I'm looking for a career in acting right now. Uh, I've kind of been stepping out in the last year and, uh, working in the film industry and wanting to do more of that in the future. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's not so much a retirement plan as a plan to work until I'm really old in whatever kind of media outlet I can with movement. How much do you work on the technique of an individual thing? Like how big of a role does that play? You know, like you're going to do a backflip, so to speak. Like, do you, do you just do the backflip or do you really think about like, okay, I need to tuck my legs here and turn my, or however you do a backflip. I don't really. It's, yeah, it's it's one of the, again, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed answer because for, for me personally, I just am more inclined to just try things and then tinker with the technique as trial and error. But I know a lot of people who are more theoretical about it and will learn all of the techniques, do all of the exercises to enhance the technique, then attempt the backflip, which I think is probably a smarter way to go about it. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, it's boring for me. It's boring to go about it like that, to find out all the workings and then try it instead of just trying it and then, uh, like, you know, the body's a sponge of, of muscle memory. So the more you do something, the more you're going to compound it and make it better into your, your mind and your body as opposed to, uh, you know, working all these exercises that aren't that engaging for weeks and weeks on end until you're finally like, I'm ready to do it. Um, but again, it's smarter because it's safer to do it that way. On a slightly more serious note, I mean, are you – are you know with with kind of the YouTube and the social media culture out there, where like the biggest trick, so to speak? Are you worried at all that somebody's going to push this too far? Like, do you ever feel that that this quest for clicks, so to speak, and sponsors is going to turn this into something that it shouldn't be necessarily? Um, define too far. Do you think somebody hurting <laughs> themselves for the internet? Because I mean, there's there's plenty of that that out there already that's not parkour and free running <laughs> yeah that's um, true it's true i, I guess uh, you know in parkour is discouraged uh as a community as a sport to like that sort of behavior online is discouraged uh to kind of send for the biggest trick like even if i have kids at an event who are like yo i'm gonna do a front flip for you i'm like bro are you doing this to show off to me or are you doing this because you want to do this front flip? Like there's a big uh, discouragement factor in people doing shit that's not for themselves because parkour again is a self-discipline, much like a martial art. And you need to know and you need to be on that journey yourself uh, of what your body can do and what your body can handle. So yeah, it's, it's like, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it is a worry that someone is going to, you know, misappropriate and misunderstand, but generally it doesn't come from the parkour and free running community because the community itself is quite a strong netted thing with quite clear moral messages. Uh, so my worry for it coming from someone in parkour or like trying to do something too crazy for parkour, uh, isn't that high because they're not doing it for the clicks. They're doing it for like, you know, for parkour and free running. So they want that challenge for themselves. I, you know, if I wasn't, if Instagram didn't exist, I'd probably still be doing the same thing. I just probably wouldn't be have as much exposure about it. Best Vin Diesel movie? Triple X, the original. 
Oh, how are you going to pick? You're going to go that over Fast and Furious? Yeah, man. I mean, for for, for me personally, it was the, this, like, I grew up as a teenager watching that. And I was like, that. I'm not that into cars. And in that, he's like the baddest of bad, the coolest of cool. He's got the tats. He's in Russia. He's got these big ass fur coats. He doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks. You know, he's like the epitome of Vin Diesel as Vin Diesel in Vin Diesel Triple X. <laughs> Better music to free run to DMX or Michael Bublé? <laughs> if you're doing an event, DMX. But if you're weird like me and like a bit of the boobs, you can get some smooth, smooth lines going with the boobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Michael Bublé is, you know, a master of the, the voice, so you can't, can't deny his skill. I don't know if trick is the right word, but best free-running trick that's out there right now. Hmm, so this is where, this is, this is a really difficult one, right, because there is tricks out there that people are doing that can be done in other sports. Uh, you know, for example, there's people doing double twists and double backflips off ledges and on the ground, just like they would in gymnastics. So if you're going to compare it to something like gymnastics, you have to wipe all of those tricks and bring it down to things that are fundamentally parkour and free running based, which make uh, flip precision. So flipping onto a wall, uh, from one wall to another, but like two horizontal walls, uh, is, is one of the, the biggest, hardest tricks right now. I guess, you know, any variation I've seen, the, uh, the hardest thing I think I've seen is a double corkscrew. So they kick off one leg, their body's completely sideways towards the other horizontal wall. They spin twice, at, at two and a half times, and then land on a wall that's, you know, 10 foot away from the other wall. Yeah, it's insane. So a double cork precision is probably the hardest trick that I've seen out there right now. Is there somebody that you would say like, okay, that is the best person I've ever seen? <laughs> there was from 2007 to 2011. Like there's no best in parkour for sure. I would say there's no absolute best because now there's so many avenues and people are so good at so many different things that you couldn't quantify it accurately. You could kind of very generally rate skill in parkour, but you couldn't quantify like a best. But before that, there was a guy called Daniel Illabaco, and he's from the UK, and he was the best, definitely. <laughs> like anyone from my generation of parkour will tell you that guy was the best. Just years ahead of everybody else as far as capability, movement, understanding of how movement worked and like parkour kind of mentality worked. His, his, he was just like, chunks ahead of everyone for such a long time who was the guy that like i don't remember if he was the one who kind of started it but i remember like the first video that came out and it was like when you had to wait an hour to download a video on the internet it's like bell something david bell yeah david bell is the you know renowned or known as the creator of parkour and the story there is that his father was a french firefighter and a French militant and had learned a bunch of movements from the military and from firefighting, uh, you know, that were to use his body in those, you know, efficient situations. So when David Bell was young, his dad would take him to the playground and set him a bunch of challenges and teach him a bunch of movements and teach him how to kind of move through this urban environment. 
And then with his friends as a teenager, David Bell went out and created something called Yamakasi, which was like uh, essentially just a, a bunch of French teenagers running across rooftops and doing these movements and developing the names and kind of style of what we know as parkour now. Best free running scene in a movie. Ah, Six Underground. Um, oh, they the just new- released uh, the new movie for Netflix with Ryan Reynolds. Um, in that, uh, they hired a group called Stora, who is probably the biggest uh, parkour team in the game right now. Uh, and they did some amazing, amazing work uh, for parkour on screen. Like, legit parkour action beautifully shot explosions coming around like you know multiple scenes throughout that movie the parkour is on a world standard uh, before that i would say it was 007 casino royale what's the worst one that you've seen <laughs> oh i've seen so many so many bad ones um maybe the, i think there's a movie called tracer with um what's the guy from uh twilight the wolf uh Wolf Boy from Twilight, Taylor Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking that about. Oh, it's awful. I didn't even finish it. I was like, bro, I know you can jump, but this movie is just, like, not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I've... you know, they, they had scenes where he was, like, falling over cars and stuff. I'm like, I've never jumped on someone's car. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> what a shock. What a shocker to think that the wolf from Twilight would make a crappy movie. I know, I know. What an absolute baffling mystery. <laughs> uh, so you have a background in figure skating, ballet, and garbage collection. What did, yes. what did garbage collection teach you about free running? Um, I don't know if it told me specifically about free running, but it told me resilience. I mean, it was a job where you didn't get paid if you didn't show up. So if you're casual full-time, you get good rates, but... Only if you show up and actually take out the garbage, you can't, you can't just like, you know, no no sick days, no leave, no nothing. You know, you just work every single day. So if I went out and parkour and got injured in the afternoon, I would have to wake up at four the next day and go to work and trudge along. And it's like between 12 and 20 kilometers that you're running most days and lifting, you know, 500 to a thousand bins. So being able to just kind of robot mode and truck through physically on such a demanding laboring job. Uh, kind of taught me resilience for training now. Like if I've got a bump or a scrape, I'm not so much like, oh, I'm going to sit down and rest. I'm like, screw it. I know that my body can handle it. Who's your favorite One Piece character? Oh, oh that is such a... Oh, so many good choices. I mean, you, you can just go with the classic, the cats, the cat, like Luffy is, is Luffy. He's amazing. His, you know... His one-sided drive for things is inspirational. That's the kind of thing I want in life is just like I don't care about anything except meat and being king of the pirates. Like just two things, bang, so pure. But uh, I would also say uh, his brother, uh, Fire Fist Ace, before spoiler alert, that he was uh, he was killed. Before he was killed, he was pretty, pretty sick. He was just super cool, you know, super cool character. If, when when you go to a new area, like what are, is there something that you're looking for? Like what are you looking for when you kind of come up with what you're gonna do? <laughs> walls, <As> many, <laughs> <laughs> just like a, a good amount of walls and infrastructure, because there's nothing worse uh, for a parkour person 
the go-to in your space, especially if you're like asked to come there to do parkour and they give you an open field and they're like, so show me what you can do. And you're like, a backflip? Like, <laughs> this, this is not my strong, I need levels, I need urban landscape, I need change, you know, I need a box in the floor at least. <laughs> yeah. Something, something to lift up onto and jump off, you know. Do you ever get in trouble? Like, do they? Yeah, all uh, the time, all the time. But it's minor trouble because once they realize that you're not doing anything kind of dangerous to to their property or their their goods, you know, they're like, oh, you're just doing that, you know, jumping stuff or parkour. You know, like if they know, if they know what it is, there's usually a lot more understanding. Like, oh, you're just doing parkour. Sorry, you, you just can't do it here. But a lot of the time, it's like. We're on a rooftop. We shouldn't be on the rooftop because of somebody's place. We're doing some jumps because they're awesome jumps. Someone will come out very, very angry. But it's very opposite to skating culture where in parkour we've always been brought up to like understand that, yeah, you're probably in the wrong. You're trespassing. So if, if someone asks you to move, we just apologize and move on. Maybe we sneak back and get the last shot if we were just about to do the jump and then – you know, they like, hey, hey, get out of here. Like, okay. And then we go back 10 minutes later and do that jump <laughs> and then get out of there again. But it's like, it is a culture of respecting people and their property because one, we don't want to damage it because then we can't jump on it. And two, we don't want to, we don't want to ruin people's days. We just want to jump on stuff. That's that, at the end of the day, most parkour people, they're not in it to be malicious or vandal, you know, vandalizing anything. They just want to do a cool challenge with their body. Cool, man. That's all I got. Anything else you think we missed, or what's what's coming up next for you? Uh, I'm doing another big project with Red Bull soon in Australia. That's my first project in Australia with them, so I'm really excited for that. Um, I can't say too much, but okay, uh, you know, we're gonna build a, a some giant dominoes and see what we can do with that. That's cool, man. I want to thank Dom so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we've also included his information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. His Instagram is awesome. It's got this really cool production value. There's a lot of stuff that they're doing. And just seeing the tricks that he does, they're so impressive. It's one of those things where you wonder, like, how can someone possibly do this? Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. He's been sick, so I feel like there's going to be a good amount of complaining coming up. Hello? If you could only do one, would you rather go forward in time or backward in time? Would I stay my same age? I feel angry about this question that like what a dumb question and I also feel like hmm that's a legitimate question. Yeah, I mean you would have to stay your same age because if you went forward you'd be way too old and you wouldn't be able to do anything. If you went backward you'd be dead. I would go forward in time. Uh because I'm I I'm excited to see what the future holds. You wouldn't want to see what's but think about this. All right, cuz I've been thinking about it. If you jump forward in time, you're not going to know what's going on, right? Like you're going to be the person who's out of touch with society, doesn't know how things work, doesn't know how to work the new technology. Like you're going to be so out of place. If you went backwards in time, you could kind of run things. That, that sounds like a great idea until you get back in time and you realize that you can't run shit. And even though you bring the idea or you think you do, it's already been thought of. It just hasn't been necessarily developed yet. Hmm. That's a good point. 
Uh, I'm a little disappointed because I really felt that you weren't going to have a good answer for for your for your arguments, but I you you did, and now I don't know what to do. <laughs> have you ever tried to do parkour or free running? No, because mm-hmm. I am not limber enough to even want to try that. Nor I think even if I was, would I would I want to do it? I don't like. I don't think I would like. I, I don't know what the word is. The uneasiness of thinking I'm able to jump over a building and then I go to do it and realize, oh, wait, I, I can't do it and I fall. You think you would try to do something that you couldn't actually do? I've Now, don't get me wrong, and I'm not taking anything away from people that do it. There's, I've, I've seen lots of videos of people who are successful at it. I've also seen lots of videos of people who would be like me that think they can do it that go to try to run up a wall and all they do is face plant. Yeah. Which one of those videos do you like better? Where people succeed or where people fail? <laughs> uh, probably, yeah, probably when people fail. Yeah. I would like to think that I was a better person and like to see people succeed, but I kind of like to see them fail. Unless it's really impressive. Then I want to see somebody do it. You're kind of like a extreme sporty kind of guy. What is like a cool parkour move? Like jumping, like say you have two buildings that are a hundred feet and they're like ten feet apart, and you jump from one to the other. Like, is that considered a cool parkour move? I don't know if ten feet would be that impressive. I mean, I think a lot of people, average male athletic ability, if you got running, you could probably jump ten feet. You get you hit. You don't think you could jump ten feet? I mean, maybe. I mean, first off, I doubt it, but I'll, I'll appreciate you kind of insinuating that maybe I could. Secondly, you're, you know, then you put heights into it. Like, I think that would mess people up more than the actual distance, maybe. I think that definitely the idea, right? Like, people would talk themselves out of something that they could probably actually do. Like, I bet you could probably do it. Ten feet's not that far if you started running as fast as you could and got a decent jump. Like, I think most people could do it. You know what would happen if I tried it. I, I I would run, I would slip, I would fall, and I would just like sputter over the edge. Yeah, like, on my back. That's pretty much. That's it. Would be the you would trip like right before you got to it, and then just like, bump against the wall, and then go over the wall, and then probably yeah. land in like a trash can. All right, uh, are you ready for your segment? Do you ever shop at an Aldi? No, because they require you to buy the cart, and I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> Old Papa Vinzan won't, won't buy a cart? I'm not buying the damn cart. Like, that's just too much work. Just give me a fucking cart. How much money, I would love to know, Aldi, if anybody from Aldi listens to this, how much money are you really losing in carts? Like, how much money, <laughs> honestly? For a major company that's all over the United States, like, how much are you losing in business because of carts? How many golf, How many carts you got to lose a year to be like, hey, guys, we got to fix this? Do you even remember what they charge to get a cart? I think it's like 25 cents. But just how many carts are you le- losing? <laughs> are shopping carts, we don't know it, are they like 10,000 bucks a pop? <laughs> Wait a minute. You're not messing with me? They really ch- I've never been to an Aldi. They no, really they charge, charge you for stuff. it. Like, I just want to know. I want somebody from Aldi corporate accounting to tell me, like, look, we were losing a hundred grand a year on these carts. That's not a lot for a major company. It's really not. Like, are you losing a million plus? You're going to piss everybody off? This is a whole ra- – oh, it pisses me off if they charge for carts. Wow. Well, if anyone out there wants to know what 
what drives Nick up the wall. Apparently, uh, getting a card at Aldi does. Look, I, look, look and, and gym memberships where they charge you just to come to the. I'm not paying you money so that I can then pay you money. Like gym registration fees are ridiculous. I'm not oh, doing that crap. It's like a, a $99 initiation fee, but then it's $34 a month. No, it makes no sense. Anyway, now that we've lost all our audience. Uh, <laughs> I actually uh, thought it was kind of interesting, to be honest with you. I'm pretty um, upset about the fact that, look, I'm not paying you money so that I can pay you money. You can go fuck yourself. All right. Um, I'm talking about you, LA Fitness, on Goldenrod Road. I walked out of your business because you tried to charge me money. <laughs> now we're going after a... Uh, you're really pissing off the uh, sales department, I think. Yeah. F-U-L-A <laughs> Fitness. <laughs> and you know what? Planet Fitness, shove it up your ass, too, all Actually, right? I'm a fan of Planet Fitness. They gave me a t-shirt. All right. Uh, is it shout-out time? All right. Uh, so once again, thanks to everybody who liked, followed, subscribed. And we're just going <laughs> to keep it at that. Um, what was the last one you were going for that you couldn't re- remember? <laughs> I was trying to think of something witty, and I just froze. <laughs> yeah. <you laughs> like, listen, as, as long as people out there know that we appreciate it, and, and we, you know, at least I do. Um, so you know. did you try to think of something witty, or did you back out of something? Like, you had nothing and just hoped you were going to walk into it? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. Like, I'm I'm in my basement, and I, I'm, <laughs> I got to that part, and I found myself just staring at the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, nothing. Just nothing. <laughs> but seriously. Went to the seriously. well and it was dry. <laughs> Appreciate everyone who uh, interacts, likes all that good stuff. So uh, Barry, Marius, Alex. Is that two people uh, or one person? Is it Barry Marius or is it Barry and Marius? No, it's Barry, comma, Marius. Okay. Alex, Adario. Purple Panda, sweet Twitter <laughs> handle, by the way. Sweet Twitter handle. Uh, David, Martin, Adario, Sport Caviar, uh, Roop. Uh, yeah, give a shout out to Roop, uh, who apparently is a big listener. Uh, Mark, Abby, Debbie, and Peking Duck. Peking Duck, idiot, not pe- Peking Duck. <laughs> I said Picking Duck. Well, how do they spell it? Like picking, P-I-C-K-I-N-G. Okay, I apologize. I'm the idiot. I actually felt bad for calling you an idiot. I feel that's one of those words I don't like to use with people. <laughs> You've been quite, kind of testy today. You must be real angry because your city is as, as crime-ridden as Detroit lately, but it's no big deal. No, actually, it's because I had a little bit of the... I had to make an emergency bathroom stop, and I'm not sure I checked it all. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I was just there uh, this past Friday, so... I woke knew my you. Wife up. I woke my wife up. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> Let's try that again. I woke my wife up uh, sprouting <laughs> from both ends, okay? So I, I understand. In the bed? Dude, it, dude, it was like a crime scene. It was you, terrible. In your own bed? You pooped yourself in your own bed? I mean, I, I had like the stomach flu. It's not like I meant to do it. Still, you're an adult. You couldn't, you didn't roll like, just point it the other way off the bed? Man, That's unacceptable, was... dude. I don't care how sick you are. I'm not really sure what happened. I was like comatose and couldn't move. Like how many times was it bad? What are you going to do with the bed? Thankfully, we have, uh. <laughs> you have rubber sheets? <laughs> <laughs> No, we have a mattress pad and and 
And <laughs> my wife was such a quick thinker that not tending to me as like I'm throwing up, running to the, well, doing things, running to the bathroom. She immediately took off the, like everything from the bed at like one thirty in the morning. So it didn't get a chance to soak through it all. I just, dude, look, I don't so. care how sick you are. You can't poop your pants as an adult in your own bed. You should have gone in your own shorts. That's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, oh, I, I, I think that's not what you're understanding. Like, I had sh- I had shorts and underwear on. Wow. I was like Mount Saint fucking Helens. Yeah, so you shouldn't have been sleep. You should have been sleeping in the bathroom then. It was not. It was not a fun weekend, dude. That's food that. poisoning, man. Well, you maybe get sick. You got food poisoning. I thought it could have been a food poisoning until I, I get to my job today. And find out that three other people that I work with on a regular basis also had the same kind of bug within the last three weeks. Okay. Well, fascinating. Let's move on. All right. Um, all right. Here we go. Some questions coming at you. You have to watch Titanic for a day straight or watch 24 hours of Richard Simmons. Oh. Probably <laughs> oh. Titanic, man. I just couldn't. I just can't handle all that positivity. People who are really positive always piss me off. You know, I don't think anyone that listens to this podcast would, would argue with you on that. Well, it's because I know you're not that happy, right? Nobody's that happy. You're coming at me with all that positivity. I know you've got, like, children locked up in your basement. Like, you're a miserable person when you get home. I just don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe people really are that happy. I don't know why. No one's that just- happy. No one. And if, if you are that happy, you're an idiot. Because you're paying no attention to anything revolving your life or the world around you. <laughs> uh, listen, everyone who listens to this, Nick actually is a nice guy, believe it or not. So don't, uh, if you're a happy person, don't let him call you an idiot. Um, all right. Uh, Segway or a scooter? What's the difference? Well, one you stand up on, oh, one you sit right, down on. Right. No, I would go a scooter. I mean a scooter oh, a scooter a lot is like like it's a good time. And you should <laughs> just a scooter is just a good time and if you just embrace it and know you look like an idiot riding that thing around and rev it up a little bit, scooter's a great time. Like you there's no way to appear to be cool in any way on a Segway. Like it just doesn't work. See, I've always wondered that, and I'm not. I'm not dissing on our law enforcement, but do you think like cops actually feel like empowered when they're riding those things around? Hell no. They don't want to be on that thing any more than anybody else. But somebody stuck a paycheck in front of their face, and they said, "Here, you can do the job that you want to do, and you get paid, but you got to ride this Segway." And they said, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> I don't disagree with that. And then uh, the last one. Uh, your your kid's gonna walk in on you. You have to choose one of them during sex or while you're taking a shit. Oh, come on! That during while I'm taking a poop, I got a three year old boy. He walks in there all the time while I'm pooping. I'm not afraid. <laughs> like maybe if I had a girl and they were older, I'd feel a little. I'm not embarrassed about it at all. And why would you be embarrassed? You shit your own bed. I mean that's true, but maybe you know. Which one I, are you going with? We're just different. We're just different people. You'd rather have your child walking on you having sex. Than pooping. I think we've covered this plenty of times uh, that I am still scarred by certain life events. No, I would rather have them walk in a million times did while you, I'm in the bathroom. Did you finally answer what position you found your mother and father in? 
Uh, no, and I, I, I will not do so because I, I don't want to. Um, I just don't want to talk about that. Anymore. Missionary or doggy style? Don't don't want to talk about that. Did you see the front of your dad or the back of your dad? Ugh, you're gonna make me shit everywhere. Again. Just tell me, did you see the front of your dad or the back? <laughs> I didn't see either, so that should tell you. <laughs> they were ex- Anyways, they were ex- let, <laughs> let's move on to the uh, <laughs> to the facial hair part. Is your dad a is your dad a hairy man? Uh no, no, not really. No, okay. there's. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, he's he's had the same mustache since 1978. I'm talking about body hair. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really know. I don't think so. You've seen your dad with your shirt off though, right? Like you've seen his front and his back. He's not a hairy guy. No, not really. Okay. All right. Your mom? <laughs> is your dad a hairy guy? Is yeah, your he mom is. Actually. A hairy woman? Uh, I haven't, I don't know about my mom. My dad's a hairy guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can, can we just use that as the segue into our top five that I'm an expert in? That'll work. Uh, so our top five is top five worst kinds of facial hair. And in the worst is like when you see somebody else with this facial hair, it just, it just looks awful. I, I don't know why I explain that. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, what's okay. your number five? Uh, so my number five is the soul patch. So it's like, uh, is the soul it's, patch it's just see? below the butt? It's just below the bottom lip, like, but just above your chin. Oh, okay. I know that is something else. I know that is the flavor saver. Oh, yeah, whatever. Flavor saver, too. I mean, <laughs> uh, That's a lot weird. of, like, rock stars have it, I guess. It's way too low. Way too low for a flavor saver, flavor, flavor saver slash soul patch. That should be much, much higher on the list. Um my number five is the circle beard slash chin strap. <laughs> that's like the that's like the really skinny one, right? That goes all the way around. Yeah, and there's no other facial hair; it just goes around the chin. <laughs> and listen, by the way, I can't grow facial hair, so don't take my list for anything. Anybody, I, just FYI, I can grow a solid mustache, but that's it. Like that's literally <laughs> all that I could grow is a mustache. In a couple of days, everything else, nothing, nothing at all. What's your number four? So I'm sure it has another name, but I don't know what it is. And this is, might piss some people off, but um, the Hitler stash. Oh, I don't know who could actually even do that anymore. I no idea. I don't think that anybody would. I've never seen one of those in real life. That's why I I'm, didn't put it on there. I think that would be pretty offensive to everybody. Yeah, I feel like even if you didn't have any kind of, you know, anything, you're just doing it to do it without knowledge. You're still like the asshole. Yeah, I wonder if somebody's ever accidentally like, oh, this looks cool, and then not realize that, hey, you can't do that, man. You can't. Yeah, Yeah, I don't. My number four is a thin mustache, like the little perv mustache. Oh, yeah, the perv mustache. That's a good one. I didn't have that one on here. Yeah, that's an awful looking one. There's just nothing good about it. There's no way to not look like a perv with that mustache. It's just not possible. No, it's it's not. Like, it's just not at all. What's your number three? Uh, so this is probably not a – I feel like my list is terrible, but it's just my list. Um, Like the Elvis sideburns. Oh, yeah, the mutton chops. Yeah, I hate those fucking things. Is that technically facial hair? I feel like that's just a little bit of part of your regular hair. 
Well, I, I'm talking about the ones that like come down to like your jawline, and some people like style them certain ways. Yeah, that, that's just that's a lot like my number three, which is the handlebar mustache. You're just trying too hard. Like, just stop that's my fucking trying. Yeah, just stop trying. I I know you you're not cool. You're not different. Nobody gives a shit about your mustache. Move on. Yeah, I, it's like those. The especially nowadays. No offense to hipsters, but you are the ones or the group of people rather that seem to have these. And it's like they they play with them and they like roll them in their fingers. And I'm like, listen, you're not Wyatt Earp in 1870, you fucker. Yeah, I just don't like anything that somebody does and they just want me to ask about it. Like, hey, and they twirl in your mustache. I'm not talking to you about your mustache. I don't fucking care. Yeah, it's like, come over, I'll twirl my fist on your fucking face. No, that's there's no reason for that. Anyways. What? what? You did your number two, so it's my number two? Yeah. Uh, my number two is a goatee. I mean... I'm okay if you have a goatee under the age of 40. No, mm, I don't know. I'm okay with a goatee maybe if you do it ironically in high school. But if you go goatee past the age of 20, like, <sighs> <sighs> To me, it's just awkward when you have a man who's, like, losing his hair, but yet he has, like, a full goatee and it's, you know, like, jet black, but yet his hair is peppered and he has a receding hairline. But yet he has a, like this nice goatee. It's like just let it go. Well, that's my thing, right? Like I'm okay with different kinds of weird facial hair if you're trying to come cover up like a clear facial deformity, right? And I'm not talking about real deformity. I'm talking about you're just ugly. Like if you're just ugly and you're trying to cover it up, like maybe you got a really weak jaw, so you grow a beard. All right, that's that's respectable. I understand that. But don't don't try to tell me that you actually want to do that. It's it's like these bigger guys. Who have you know the, the the long beards or the bushy beards to cover up the the, the neck fat? Mmm, that's a good strategy though. I respect it. I don't like it, but I respect it. What's your number one? <laughs> so uh, all the women out out there, don't get offended by this. But my number one is is uh, the woman stash. You're making fun of a woman with a mustache. I <laughs> just say it. It's. Just, I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying it's my number one, like, you know, m- most disliked facial hair. I'm pretty sure that no woman is doing that on purpose. But I don't think there's I, a lot of women that are like, you know what? This mustache looks good. I find your number one it, to be insensitive. And if they are, that's fine. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying it's not, you know, whatever. Just saying I've known a couple of ladies who have had some mustaches. Where are you hanging out? What's the <laughs> What's the most polite way to inform someone that they've got a little bit of a stash? I, a woman. I, I've never done I won't do it. I'm not – I just put it on there because, you know, if, if a person's transitioning, if they're, you know, whatever, I get it. Like that's whatever. But like the people that I've seen usually are not that I know of and they just have like the dirty stash and you're like, do you not see that in the mirror? Maybe they just forget about it. You ever seen somebody that's got like the one long hair coming out of their face? Ooh, I could puke right now. Oh. Yep. I had a significant other that could grow a pretty decent mustache. And look, she was a pretty girl. She, She was an attractive woman, but she could grow it. Pretty, she could grow it in like a week. You'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> she had to keep that thing under wraps. What? 
Uh, my number one is actually the flavor saver. I think that's the. There's just no way that person's not creepy. There's just no way. Yeah, hey, this isn't going to surprise you. And I, I actually had one in my younger days. <laughs> How and, did you think of having a flavor saver was a good idea? Why? Because I, so I couldn't grow facial hair, but I can grow a mustache and just the flavor saver. I can't even grow like good side beard. How much? How much would you have to pay you to rock out a flavor saver right now? I mean, truthfully, you wouldn't have to pay me anything. But if you're offering money, a hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't I mean, really I have. I think the Fu Manchu is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's probably offensive to grow that now at this point. I think uh, I probably shouldn't <laughs> be doing that unless if you look like you and I. Uh, I mean, you know what I do like is somebody who has the courage to grow a neck beard. <laughs> I, I just think they're. I mean, I guess I, I don't understand what the purpose of a neck beard is. Just but. to be uncomfortable as shit and look like an idiot. If you grow a neck beard, that's I. I respect that. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Love getting the comments, and we're going to try to feature those more as much as we possibly can. Because it's been, it's been for us, I think, in the last couple of months, we've started to get a lot more feedback from you guys. And I really think that that just, it makes, it makes the show so much better. So we want to try to feed, we want to try to feature that more and more. So we love hearing from you guys. Keep it coming.